0: Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely, for any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. Awesome, thank you, my love. Can you guys give it up for Grant and the whole worship crew for leading us in such a profound moment of worship? morning, we're going to talk about some real things. And I don't mean real in the way that you probably think I mean real. I mean real in the, in the matter that it actually matters, that it matters to Christ, that we're not going to talk about something superficial, that I'm not overly concerned with your self-esteem. I'm not overly concerned with your Emotional anxiety, what I am overly concerned with, what I am deeply disturbed by, what I am completely, overwhelmingly burdened and ran over by, isn't our own self evaluation, but our Savior's evaluation of us. I'm deeply, deeply troubled. I'm deeply, deeply troubled by how empty this room is this morning. I'm deeply, deeply troubled by what I see in the bride as a whole, and I'm deeply, deeply troubled, I'm deeply, deeply troubled by whether we take Jesus seriously or not. And I know this is a lot coming out the gate, but that's just because I've been battling this morning. See, I came to church ready to go. I came to church ready to see heaven fall in this room. And guess what I experienced? Heaven falling in this room. Because even when we may not be found faithful, he always is. And it might sound like this is huh, for real, or that maybe I'm being a bit harsh, but I want to tell you this morning, whether you're listening online or you're listening to Later or you're in this room, we have people on our team who labor for hours, who take time and sacrifice out of their marriages, out of being with their children, out of their own rest, who take time to be in the prayer room with the Lord who take time to text you and call you to check in on you who take time to set apart their own lives to take on your problems and your situations they lay down their own circumstances and they get in the middle of yours because that's what pastors and leaders do and I am telling you this morning Those people are my friends. Those are my brothers. Those are my sisters. I'm not even talking about me right now. I'm talking about every other pastor and leader on our staff. I love them. And they, they put in the time and the effort. And this morning, just being honest, I'm not, gonna, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to be a pastor who doesn't recognize when a sheep has poop on its back, okay? We're not just going to call Things that aren't okay, okay, and we're not going to put a smile on and move forward as if things are normal. I'm not interested in faux pas, fake Christianity. I'm interested in a well-equipped, matured bride. Amen. That's what I'm interested in. Next week, Adrian and I are gone on our first vacation in two years. I'm very excited about it, but I'm a little troubled because our team is going to be here. They're going to be. Sewing and putting time and effort into a service pastor Scott is going to be preaching and I'm kind of concerned right now wondering is anyone going to be here to listen is anybody going to be here to experience the presence of the Lord in this place Matt this is harsh I understand but I'm telling you sometimes we just need to have real talk We cannot continue on the way we are of not getting the message of Jesus Christ out, of not getting the message of what he's doing in this room out. I love the text messages I receive every single week, all the time, whether it's this service, Ignite, uh, prayer meeting, whenever we have a gathering and people are just talking about the presence of the Lord being in this place and what he's doing, that's amazing. But if that is not translating... To grabbing those in our lives who are suffocating and bringing them to this resuscitation center, then there is something we are missing. There is something seriously wrong if the presence of God can fall in this place, fall in our lives, encounter us, and we're not put on a mission to go and share that, of doing everything in our human power to get someone else here. God is faithful to show up. But are we? God has been faithful to grow in his presence, being in this place, of his gifts moving in this place, healings, words of knowledge, chains are breaking off people, pornography is being found dead on the concrete, sexual sin is being broken off people, couples are being liberated, and they're getting married, and they're setting themselves correct. Like things are happening in this room where God said, I am being faithful, and he's looking for a bride that is going to be equally faithful. So is this a little bit of a spanking? Yes. But I, if I didn't tell you this, I wouldn't, this isn't me airing my grievances. This is me being burdened. This isn't me just picking a fight this is me coming to you as the spiritual father of this house going i am concerned my son i am concerned my daughter i'm concerned my children we've made a place for your friends to come for you to run wild for you to have a relationship with the king of kings and lord of lords set this place apart for us to gather as his children to go wild in his presence this should be the event of our week Are we living that way? Are we living that way? It's not love to not tell you the truth. Love isn't turning a blind eye to something that's not all right. Going to be honest. Not love this is love. Love is the tough conversations. Love is the stiff drink. Love is the cry. Love is the plea. Love is the being honest and going, I'm disturbed by what I'm seeing in this room of humankind because heavenly presence is here. Do you know what I'm more certain of this morning than I am of anything else? I am so certain that, you know what? (laughs) This isn't going to be built on my gift. This isn't gonna be built on our worship leader's gifts. 687 views on a worship video on YouTube isn't gonna build this house. This house is gonna be built by presence-driven people. This is gonna be built on those of us mobilized to go into our workplace, go into all the world and live this thing out called Christianity. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? And you know what? That is the most relief I've felt in so long, being smashed on the concrete and having God saying, it's not going to be built on your gift, Matt. You're a great preacher, but great preaching isn't going to fill the house. Great worship isn't going to fill the house. We need the people of Christ to be like Christ, myself included, and we have to live this thing out outside these four walls and watch, watch Jesus was only ever alone and never not attracting people only when he went off to be with the Lord in prayer this isn't alone time takeover is not a social club this isn't the Christian yacht club We are interested in being a mature bride. With that, we're going to pray. We're going to read the scriptures and we're going to dig into it. Does that sound good? Do you still love me? Yes. Okay, because I still love you. If you're taking notes this morning on and around your seat, there's a, uh, there's a prayer journal around. You can just steal that. That's yours. That's on the house. We partner with a great organization in our city called Our Daily Bread, and we got boxes of them, bad apples, and uh, they are for you. So take notes. Take notes. So the title of my message this morning, we're going to continue our series, The Citizens of Heaven. the title of my message is Those Who Were Ready. Those who were ready. Those who were ready. Would you just turn and ask your neighbor this morning, are you ready? Let's read the Citizens' Creed together. Repeat after me. Because there's a lot of vows in this thing that we don't just get to take back. And in fact, I'd go this far. I'd go this far. Don't humor me today and repeat after me if you do not agree with these words that you're about to swear to. Only say this aloud if you're about this life. We, the citizens of heaven, hereby swear to be, to be your bride. We swear we, swear we, will, represent we will represent your kingdom, your kingdom. well, well. In, this in this land. We will keep, we will keep in step, in step with, your with your spirit. We will keep, we will keep your, word. your word. We will keep, we will keep your, heart. your heart. We will steward, we will steward your, power your power and your presence sanctify us, make us like Jesus, consecrate us, make us a holy nation where your spirit rests upon us, where you dwell among us, where your spirit's gifts and fruit are valued. We will be your people. You will be our God. We declare your kingdom come and your will be done in our region as it is in heaven. We swear to give our lives for revival. Amen. 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 It is finished. Those who are ready, those who are ready is the title of the message. We're coming out of the book of Matthew this morning, Matthew 25, 1 through 13. I'm rocking the ESV as it is the most literal English translation. You can read anything else you'd like except for King James or the NLT. I love the NLT. I was just kidding because we needed some levity and whenever I can get Evan to do his great Evan laugh, I enjoy it. If you haven't heard of Evan laugh, you should. He's a way more fun guy. All right. Matthew 25, 1 through 13. Here we go. Ready? Yeah. Can you guys give it up for Kenny and Kelsey holding it down in the back, by the way? So faithful. We're influential a bunch of legends. Matthew 25, 1 through 13. It'll be on the Sky Bible behind me. Here we go. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise, they took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealer and buy for yourselves. The only time in scripture the Lord will encourage you to see a dealer, just so you know. And while they were going to buy the bridegroom, rather they going to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore that you know neither the day nor the hour. We're going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord to meet us in this place. Amen. Father God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the changing of the season. I thank you for fall. I thank you for what the season represents so much in the earth, God, that there's just a realignment of priorities, there's a realignment of our lives where, where maybe the, the fun of summer is, is gaining back into a formation of priority and prioritizing hopefully your house, hopefully your church, hopefully the gathering of your saints, the preaching of the word and the presence most importantly, God. So Father, we thank you today that we have the opportunity to be in this room where something special is happening. It's not special because the preaching is great. It's not special because the worship is anointed. It's special because for whatever reason, and it's unexplainable to me, but God, you certainly just find a love for this house and you love to show up here. And Father, we are so grateful for your presence Father God, I just tell you right now, you know the condition of my heart. You know how wounded and hurt I feel right now. And God, I just want to tell you, as the Father of this house, I don't care. Though none come with me, still I will follow. Though none come with me, still I will worship. Though none come with me, still I will preach. Though none come with me, still we will be here. Though none come with us, God, you are priority. You are presence and person enough. You are everything. So, Father, I repent of how I was feeling during worship. I repent before you and before my church. Father, I just say to you, you are my one. You are my center. You are my true north. You are my love. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever. Amen. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and would you rev us up? Would you wreck us this morning? Would you ignite us? which you cause us to burst uncontrollably. Father, we just want to be found. We want to be found looking like, sounding like, attracting like, being like Jesus. Father, today we just come before you and we humbly submit ourselves saying, God, would you grow this church? Would you grow us as people? Most importantly, would you mature this church and would you mature us as people? In Jesus' mighty name, a faith-filled church said. Amen. Amen. We still good? You love me? I love you? We're a happy family? Let's get it. Those who were found ready. Those who were found ready. You see, man, uh, one of the things that I'm deeply burdened by, and I know I keep using that language, but it's true. It's true. I, I am telling you, I am... I am mad in the most original English definition of the word, insane, fallen out of my tree. I am buck wild, completely overwhelmed, completely out of control, completely disturbed to my innermost being with the state of the church right now. And I tell you why. I tell you why. It's the state of the world. It's the state of the world. We knew it was going to get bad. We knew it was going to get dark. Jesus has already revealed to us what it was going to be in the end of it. But just as the world is dark, he also proclaimed in his revelation to John, the book of Revelations, he also proclaimed that the church would be attractive, that the church would be a light, that the church would be shining. Though none wants to trade with us, they all want our way of life. And so I am grieved that potentially right now it's, incredibly dark and hopefully incredibly close to his coming return but yet is the church shining as bright as she is supposed to be the reason I'm concerned by this is because Jesus his words his words have just messed me up from the floor up he has just done something in me in the season where he's burdened me with his phrase where he says my kingdom is not of this world. And really the whole, whole point of evolving from the Jesus people to the citizens of heaven is truly the same series. It's just a more hopefully matured version of it. The whole point is, the whole point is, is that man, if his kingdom is not of this world, then by proxy, categorically, his people can also not be of this world. And if his people are not of this world, what world are they a part of? And if his people are not of this world, what world do they look like they are a part of? What land do they look like they are from? Who do they sound like? What dialect are they speaking with? What accent do they have? What vernacular? What nomenclature? Are you picking up? What what? What do they sound like? What's their vocabulary? Who are they? Because the reality is, Jesus, 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 sweet Jesus. Does anybody love Jesus? Oh, sweet Jesus. His name is just nursing my soul right now. It's nursing my heart. Just saying Jesus, I feel better every time I say it. Can we just all say Jesus, Jesus? I love Lord Jesus. See, if we're not of this world, and we, we cannot. We cannot be people who look like this world, who talk like this world, who feel like this world, who are motivated like this world, we have nothing in common as far as even Jesus goes to say, What does light have in common with darkness? We're not of this world. We're not we are foreigners and that's why we started off last week there was no other way to begin this new season this next moment in church than other way of than, uh, than than establishing this message that we had last week called anointed armored ambassadors we could not grow out of being simply the Jesus people and begin to walk in our citizenship of heaven's people if we do not understand what God has gone to great lengths to make available to us So if you weren't here last week and you didn't listen to the message yet, I encourage you to do that so we will be on the same page. Because I am telling you, I am telling you, I am telling you, Jesus... Jesus, sweet Lord Jesus, he is not coming back for an unprepared bride. He is not coming back for an unreadied bride. He is not coming back for an unequipped, ill-equipped, and uninformed bride, but he is coming back for a strong, beautiful, she is not a damsel in distress. She is a dragon slayer in a white dress, taking the heads off demons and devils alike. Amen? That's the bride he's coming back for. And that's the bride that I am interested in growing here. That's the bride I am interested in maturing here. You see, one of the things I think is deeply, deeply concerning right now is the fact that whether it's the world or it's culture or it's the church, we seem to be really obsessed with this phrase, growth. Don't get me wrong, I just, I just got done talking about how much I want to grow this church. Do you want to grow this church? Can we grow this church together? Yes, does, does Grand Rapids need takeover church? Because if it doesn't, I'll go to China. Just take, does Grand Rapids need takeover? Because yes. I know some Christians in the tunnels of China who could use this. Yes. I'll kill myself for them just like I'll kill myself for you. Like, we doing this? Then let's do this. Because here's the deal. We're all concerned with growth. I got to grow this, I'm trying to grow that, I'm trying to grow my influence, I'm trying to grow my platform, I'm trying to grow my business, I'm trying to grow myself, I am so concerned, right now Right now, it's just, I'm just kind of growing myself, I'm just kind of working on myself, I'm just trying to get some inner growth going on, and what I'm concerned by is the fact that growth has become vogue, growth has become sexy, growth is good, but it could be better. Growth is good but it could be better because here's what I'm disturbed by so many are concerned with growth but very few are interested in maturing I want to grow in the gifts of the spirit but not many of us interested in maturing in the fruit of the spirit We've been on gifts for a long time, but we're going to keep being on gifts because, man, we got to get busy doing Christ and not just being like Christ, okay? We've got to be doing Christ. That is the whole point of having this banner. That is the whole point of the gospel is that he would not be Christ alone, but he'd be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Amen? Amen. Christ means Messiah. Christian means little Christ, little Messiah. You and I, we were made, destined, and called and purposed to live like Jesus. I preach to anybody this morning. How many of you know it is entirely possible? It is entirely possible to have the size of good fruit, but to still taste bitter. You can be big, but you can be bitter. How many of you know it's entirely possible? I would even go as far to assert to you this morning it's entirely possible to have the appearance of luscious, tasty, mouth-watering. I got to get a bite of that apple. Look at that centerpiece. You could be aesthetically pleasing and completely fake. Completely fake. Forget maturing. You're not even real. There is fruit that has the illusion of fruit has the aesthetics of fruit, has the apparatus of fruit, certainly looks like it could be fruit, but it's fake, it's phony, it's not real. So many of us, were concerned with size on the outside, looking like we have it, having the appearance of being a Christian. It's entirely possible to have the appearance of being a Christian, but not live out the assignment of being a Christian. It's entirely possible to have the aesthetics of a Christian but not live out your God-given appointment as a Christian. Hear me today. It's entirely possible to have your outside apparatus look like a Christian. But if someone was to try and taste and see if the Lord is good, they wouldn't taste and find any anointing. You see, we all know Right? God says it's, it's man that looks at the outward appearance, but it's God that looks at the heart. You want to know why that is? Let me flip that verse upside down for you. You want to know why that is? God looks at the inside, and not the outside, because of this. He expects you to have big fruit. He expects you to be big. He expects you to bear big fruit. Why? Because he hung Jesus on a cross for it. He expects you to live a life that looks like Jesus. He expects you to have big fruit. The reason he examines and cares about the inside is because it's not so much about growth and gains and accumulating as much as it is about maturing. You can be big and still taste bitter. But he's not interested in just a big, flashy bride. He's not interested in spectacle. He's interested in faithful. He's not just interested in spectacle. He's interested in fruitful. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? So it's entirely possible to live a Christian, aesthetically pleasing life and be completely void of God-pleasing faith. It's entirely possible. But most of us, if we're not informed of this lie, informed of this trap, let in on the little dirty secret that the devil doesn't want you to know, but God has been screaming from his throne for centuries now, it's not in near, the kingdom of God is not of mere talk, but it is of power. We don't just look the look. We've got to walk the walk and talk the talk. Who are we? Whose are we? And I'm curious. I'm curious. You see, if we're supposed to be citizens of heaven... It would be the great tragedy of our lifetime if the bride had to die before she experienced heaven. It would be the greatest tragedy of our lifetime for a Christian to have to die in the physical before they ever experience heaven. It would be the greatest tragedy if your first taste of heaven was literally being there. Because that's not what Christ paid for. That's not what he went to the cross for. That's not the life that he died, resurrected, and ascended back onto heaven for. That is not the example of which he set. You see, Christ, when he came to the earth, he was fully God and fully man. But he was there to be the example. His blood was there to cover us. His blood was there to resurrect us. His blood was there to anoint us, to to allow his God power to flow through us and to restore us to our original destiny and purpose in the earth. Direct relationship with God, creating with God, being in relationship with him. But for us, so often we're not found looking like our big brother jesus we're often not found sounding like our big brother jesus we're not often looking like being generous like our big brother jesus being powerful like our big brother jesus being free like our big brother jesus no you see jesus he came to show us the way the truth and the life And what Jesus exampled for us, what he modeled for us, is how to live the human experience while being completely tethered to his throne in heaven. You see, for you and me, Paul goes as far to say that we are already seated in heavenly places next to Christ. Matt, make that make sense. It's what Jesus did on the cross, he split everything. He made a way for you to live from heaven now. You and I, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we, like Jesus, can live the human experience but remain tethered to our heavenly seating. You and I, we can live the human experience, everything that comes along with the heartbreaks, the triumphs, the victories, the betrayal. We can go through all the things that Jesus experienced in his humanity But live tethered to our seat next to the throne of thrones and the king of kings. That's what he paid for. See, Jesus, he never said, he never said, live in such a way that you'll get to heaven when you die. He said, on earth as it is in heaven on earth as it is in heaven that means our assignment our destiny all we can hope for is not simply living a life that might be good enough to see if we get in one day he already purchased heaven for us but it wasn't heaven later it was heaven now and later amos is shouting me down he loves this message friends I'm deeply, deeply concerned that we allow the lie of cultural Christianity to rob us. To rob us of our image and likeness being restored back onto us through the faithful and finished work of Jesus on the cross. He didn't purchase heaven for later he purchased heaven for now heaven hear me church hear me heaven is the reward for those who labor to get heaven to here heaven is the reward for those who labor to get heaven to earth heaven's the reward for those who labor man you you and me were We're a part of something bigger. We're a part of something that actually has meaning. You see, Jesus, when he came, God, the whole thing, it wasn't on accident, and it wasn't haphazardly. It wasn't without intention or design. No, no, no. He had a plan. You see, you are his bride and he has a bridal gown ready for you. Yet so many of us in the bride are still found in our earthly garments, our dirty rags, the things he saved us out of. And he's going, I've got a bridal gown for you. I've got a new garment for you, a new life for you, a new reason for existing for you, a new purpose for you. I have a life set before you. You can't even begin to imagine Yet you are still living in your old garments. And I came today to plead with the bride and say, we got to begin to put on our bridal gown. You see, I love the Bible. I love the Bible. And I really love this portion of scripture. And I love it because, man, can I tell you briefly before we really dig into it, when Jesus says the word fool He's actually going back to this verse in Proverbs. And this proverb, it says that a fool is the worst thing you can call someone. It's the worst thing. A fool is worse than the worst slur that you could come up with. It's worse than the most crass or cussing words that you could say. It is worse than any hateful thing you could muster for the person you despise most in this world who has wounded you greatly. A fool is even worse than calling someone a sinner. Well, Matt, how can that be? Pastor Matt, what does that even mean? I'll tell you. A fool is worse than a sinner because a sinner is our starting point. A sinner is where we all started. A sinner is where we all began. We all were born into sin. We all had sin. We've all fallen short of sin, and we're all in desperate need of saving. A fool is a Saved person, but who continues on living in the same manner of which they need saving from. A fool, I'll oh, say it again. A fool is someone who's been saved, but continues on living, not like their Savior has instructed them, but in the same manner and ways that they needed saving from in the first place. Can I tell you this? A fool, a fool is a bride that has been given a bridal gown from heaven and yet chooses to dress in her old rags when her bridegroom comes. A fool, a fool is someone who has everything given to them to live a redeemed and raised to life kind of life yet chooses to remain a dead man or woman. A fool is worse than a sinner because a fool a fool will be saved but be content going on in the manners of which they need to save from in the first place that's a fool that's a fool in fact Jesus goes on to say there is fools and there are wise what kind of Christian are you going to be that's a wild statement that is a crazy statement There are those that were fools and those that were wise. Oh my gosh. Can I ask today, what kind of Christian do you want to be? Do you want to be a Christian who heaven has just simply informed your life or has heaven formed your life? Does heaven inform your marriage or has heaven formed your marriage? Does heaven inform your sexuality or has heaven formed your sexuality? Has heaven informed your politics or has heaven shaped your politics? Oh, I'm preaching this morning. We are getting after it. Has heaven just simply informed how you go to church or has heaven formed, shaped, transformed how you have relationship with the creator of the universe? Has heaven simply given you information or has heaven brought you formation for your life? Am I preaching to anybody this morning? We should be living in such a way that heaven forms our lives and then informs the lives around us of what heaven is. We should be living in such a way that our lives are so formed by God, so formed by the finished work of Jesus, so formed by the Holy Spirit that we are formed by heaven but those around us are informed about heaven. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? You see, I love the Bible. I love the whole thing because Paul he goes, he goes, the entire word of God, the entire word of God is useful in the training up, the raising up, the edifying and the pruning and the correcting and the reproving of the saints. Every single punctuation mark in this word is useful for training, equipping, edifying, pruning and reproving the saint. Yes, even Leviticus. (laughs) It's all for us. It's all for us. It's all to raise us up, not into a grown-up bride. Yes, we do grow up into our salvation, but he's not just coming for a grown bride. He's coming for a matured bride. And so I love when Jesus, he starts us off. Now, every single word we should take serious. Every single word in this Bible is noteworthy. Every single word in here, every single punctuation mark, we should take account for and we should go, what is God trying to say to me about him and about me through this? That's how we should approach the word of God. But how many of you know when Jesus Christ himself starts off a sentence, starts off a parable, starts off a story, starts off a sermon, he goes, the kingdom of heaven is like, how many of you know we need to begin to pay attention? How many of you know when he says the kingdom of heaven is like, it might be that as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we should probably get clued in on what he's about to say. We should probably incline ourselves to what is Lord Jesus about to say right now? This has got to be big. This has got to be huge. When Jesus, he starts off and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like, this is a moment where we sit up and we go, what is it like? Because we know what the kingdom of America is like. We know what the kingdom of Rome is like. We know what the kingdom of Babylon is like. We know what the kingdoms of man is like. But what is the kingdom of God like? And can you imagine the disciples? They're all going, yeah, yeah, what is this? What is this? Oh, Caesar, gonna get it. And they're all thinking it's gonna be big tanks. And they're all thinking it's gonna be massive armies. And they're all thinking it's gonna be this crazy, just industrial takeover of Rome when they incline their ears and Jesus, he goes, the kingdom of heaven is like 10 virgins awaiting their bridegroom. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine that wild statement being said to you? And you're going, T.O. on the gameplay, Lord Jesus. Um, come again? 10 what? Why? that's not enough people, like, <laughs> like, you'd be, you'd be so confused and dumbfounded, and, I, and honestly, we're going to dig into this whole portion of scripture because there's so much, honestly, we could spend years on it. It's, it, this is ridiculously saturated with what God has for his people, what he's called to, but one of the things we need to zero in on right here before we go any further is the, seer, the sheer fact that Jesus Christ himself calls us his bridegroom. Adrian and I were walking the dogs, and I was talking about the bride and of Christ and all these things. And she was like, well, hey, do you think the fellas in church, do you think the fellas at large, do you think men really understand what it's like to be a bride? Do you think they get why this is? And and honestly, I kind of wrote it off at first. I wasn't really thinking it was essential. I thought maybe we were mature enough to understand that this isn't weird in any way. But you know what? My wife is really gifted in discernment, and so I really want to pause for just a second and go, Jesus is our bridegroom, and we are his bride. If that makes you uncomfortable as men, get used to it and get over it. Get used to it and get over it. This shouldn't make us feel emasculated. Well, Matt, we are men of valor. Yeah, God called you men of valor while simultaneously calling you his bride. What does that tell you? That tells you his definitions for our lives are better than our definitions for our lives. That tells us that God's interpretation of his word is better than our interpretation of his word. Can I say that again? God's interpretation of his words are greater than our interpretations of his words. If he's calling us a bride, there is something on the inside of that word that we need to get underneath us that we need to get in. We're all about being men. For a second, let me talk to you. We're all about being men of valor, being strong, being mighty, and we should be because Jesus is strong and mighty. But if he has called you his bride, that means there is a revelation about him. There is a knowledge about him. There is something about Jesus that you and I need to get our heads around that he is our bridegroom and we are his bride. There is something that he has for us in there. There is a revelation that is in there, a deep understanding of who he is, a truth that will unlock things in our relationship with him that will not be unlocked or revealed to us in any other way than found in the place and position of you being his bride and him being your bridegroom. Is that too fast? Listen, you are the bride of Christ. And if that makes you feel emasculated, Maybe there is some humility that needs to be worked out in you. Maybe there's something that you're like, you know what? I just don't love the song, Lover of Your Presence. I don't like that worship song that says, I'll be your lay down lover. I don't like that language. God's language is better than ours. God's word is greater than ours. God's understanding of His word, His interpretation of His word, and His language in His word is better than our interpretation of His word, our understanding of His word and His word or our word. He decides it all. And let me tell you this. can we get into the scripture? He describes you as his bride. Description, bride, prescription, readied. See, God always gives a description and a prescription at the same time. He describes you and then he prescribes you. You see, his his intention, his intention was never to return for simply a bride, but a readied bride. Well, I'm a part of the church, I show up sometimes and I go to some of the things and, but are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Because what's apparent to me in this portion of scripture real quick is this. You want to know what's really apparent to me? The fact that he says there's ten virgins, five who were wise and five who were foolish, five that were found ready and five that were found not ready. You want to know what that tells me? Ten virgins ten virgins, all ten of them in the same place, gathered in the same place. All ten of them waiting in the same place with the same knowledge, same awareness, the same alertness that bridegroom Jesus could be coming for them at any point in time. See where I'm going? Same level playing field, same level of forgiveness, same level of grace, same level of purity. They were all washed, redeemed, restored, and put into a position, a place of being virgins again for us. They all had equal knowledge and equal understanding, equal footing and equal placing in the house of which they are instructed to await the coming of the bridegroom. And yet five were ready and five were not. You know what that tells me? Is that you can live with an awareness but have zero preparedness. You can have an awareness that he's coming back but have no preparedness. It's not even a word, but it works. We can actually be alert, but alert doesn't, alert doesn't amount to being ready. Alert doesn't, amount to being anointed. Alert doesn't amount to maturity. We got a lot of Christians done paranoid right now in this hour, but paranoia a paranoid people doesn't amount to a presence given over people. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? We hear some chains falling in the room because I am telling you They all started off in the same place, with the same assets, with the same awareness, with the same understanding, the same forgiveness. We live our lives. We live our lives always blaming the fact that we're not ready on somebody else who was ready. We live our lives of missing opportunity, of not being chosen, of blaming everybody else. And we live exactly like these five fools who were given equal opportunity under the blood and the authority of Jesus, found in the same church, the same position, the same place. And yet, those that were ready were wise, and those that were unready were fools. You know what that tells me? That tells me that it's entirely possible, entirely possible, to possess a lamp but have zero oil to run it that shows me that it's entirely possible to live playing dress up christianity and not be clothed in the dunamis power that jesus paid for it's entirely possible to play dress up christianity but never put on your bridal gown It's entirely possible to look the part of Christianity, but when Jesus comes to to not be found ready to possess an aesthetically pleasing Christianity, but not have a readied Christianity, am I preaching to anybody this morning? You see, I wonder. I wonder why it is that those five virgins were so. Unprepared, and you know what it led me to that pondering that pondering led me to the fact that man, for 2,000 years, every generation has thought that they were going to be the generation that Jesus came back in, and so far they've not been. And I and I have seasoned saints in my life who tell me that all the time, like Matt, you got to preach something else, you got to slow down a little bit. Come on, man, you can't be preaching that urgency. I used to hear that all the time at Life Church. I did a whole series called Faith, Hope, and Love, a series on revival, and I got trashed every Monday in my office for it because I emphatically believe that Jesus Christ is interested in another revival before His arrival. Jesus is interested in another revival before His, uh, his arrival. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning, and I got told to slow down. I got told to watch yourself. Don't speak above your knowledge. Don't speak above your ears. Don't speak above things that you don't know anything about. You're just a young buck. Every generation, Matt, has thought they'd be the one that Jesus would come back for. And I'm telling you this. The reason every generation thought they would be the generation that Jesus came back for and the reason Jesus hasn't come back yet is because every generation so far has believed that lie. That hey, you know what? Well, if he didn't come back then and they had the Jesus people movement, if he didn't come back then and they had all the beginning awakenings and the original 13 colonies, if he didn't come back then, well, then he's not going to come back now. So why am I spending time in my prayer closet, spending time memorizing scripture, spending time ministering to my coworkers, spending time making sure my marriage is holy and that my soul is in good condition? Why am I spending time getting ready if he isn't coming? If he's not coming yet, and I love that Jesus has waited 2,000 years, and he might wait another 2,000. I don't know him. I don't know his plans. I'm not him. I do know him, but you know what I'm saying. No one knows the hour the bridegroom's coming besides the bridegroom himself. But you know what? You know what I think he is looking for? I think he's looking for a bride that readies herself for his arrival, even if he might not show. I think he's looking for a bride who is interested in preparing herself regardless of whether he arrives or not. I think he's looking for a bride that's saying, I am so in love with Jesus, so sold out to all that he is. He has made so much available to me that even if he doesn't show in my generation, even if he doesn't come back in my lifetime, just the thought of it is tasteful of heaven. It's still a foretaste of what we could be. It is still worth getting ready for. Because Jesus didn't die for an unreadied life, he died for a readied life. And that means that God's best is still found in the readiness of his bride, even if the bridegroom isn't coming yet. But so often we've believed that lie. Every generation thought. Every generation thought. Miss me with it. I am sold out to it, and I will give every ounce of blood and sweat and tears in my body to either see Jesus' arrival or a revival before. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. You see, one of the important things in the scripture is this. Five head lamps. Five head lamps and oil. oil every time in scripture is the same word as anointing it's the same word as anointing doesn't matter if it's greek aramaic hebrew same word it's the same word as anointing that means there is something about the lamp there is something about the burning of god there's something about the fire of god that it's not enough to simply have a wick Where you can, sure, you can set a wick on fire. A wick will burn. It might flicker. It might flutter. It might flare up a little bit. You might be able to light a wick once. You might be able to light a wick twice. You might even be able to light a wick three times before it's completely consumed. But a wick in a lamp without anointing, well, that's just not something the Spirit can burn upon. You see that oil on the inside. You see so many Christians, she... They're going, well. Quick, give us some of your oil. Give us some of your oil. Or we're gonna burn out. And Jesus is telling the five verses, uh, nah, nah, don't give them your oil. No, don't give them your oil. That's what the point of the parable. Don't give them your oil." Well, Matt, that sounds harsh. No, no, no. They all had level playing field. They all had equal knowledge. They all had understanding. You have to have anointing for the Lord to burn upon you. If you don't have anointing, you will flicker, you will flutter, you will flare, and you will burn out. But that's how so many Christians live today, isn't it? So many Christians today, we live just lighting the wick on fire, letting it sputter, letting it flicker, letting it go in and out. And we might have a season of being on fire. We might have two seasons of being on fire. But Jesus isn't looking for a bride who's had seasons of revival, had seasons of being on fire, who had seasons of being lit on fire for cause of Christ in the earth. No, he's looking for people who are continually burning. Can I just assert to you this morning, if, if you're not interested in getting ready for Jesus' arrival, you will have no place in a Jesus revival. Because he's not looking for seasonal Christians. He's not looking for seasonal brides. And he's not looking for flares and embers and spurts and spitfires. No, he's looking for lives that are preparing to continually burn before the Lord. Continually burn with the Lord. Continually to exist in a place where they are tending to their oil and saying, Lord, you can burn on me. You can set a fire on me. You can do this in me. You can have me. You can have every single part of me. You can have every single ounce of me. Every drop of oil I have, every amount of anointing I possess, all of it. I give myself over to this. I am alert, I am aware, and I am well prepared. I'm ready. Are we going to be those who are found ready? See there is, there is, there is a sound in the earth right now and it's not just because these are my friends and I know them and it's not just because we're part of a great church network called the Radiant Network. It's not just because we're a part of these other houses that seemingly have the fire of God just resting in their auditorium and it's not because that we're young and we have new ideas. No, it's not because we have great efforts of man and It's not because we found the magic eight ball or the missing puzzle piece. It's not because we found a way to bend God's arm with his own words until he bent to our will and not us bending to his will. It's none of these things. The reason the Lord is showing up in this house and doing things in our lives and in this church and in this region is because we are not a new young group of kids with new ideas. It's that we're hungry people, young and old alike, who are interested in the old ways of God the original ways of God. I don't have hip new ideas. I have a very old message. We have a very old fire. We have a very old oil. We have very old lamps. And if it's, if we are not tending to that oil, friends, we will live in aesthetically pleasing Christianity but completely void of any faith. Void of any oil. Worship team, you can make your way up here. We're going to land this bird. But we will live. We will live. We will live. We will live like those five virgins who were found not ready. You see, that oil, that anointing, that deposit, that thing that God put on the inside of you, that was made to be guarded that was made to be taken care of, that was made to be steward, that was made to be looked after. You have something so significant on the inside of you, so significant that the world needs. You see, friends, the world is in desperate need of the Jesus people, and the Jesus people are in desperate need of living out their citizenship from heaven, and heaven has a deep desire that you would live out your anointing that you would live out of that place of my oil is full and I am awake and I am ready. See, there's, there is something about being a ready bride and a flickering bl- bride. And it says that the bridegroom will come and those were no oil, their lamps were going out and those that with oil were continually burning Whether you are flickering or continually burning, it's like a flare to Jesus. It's like a flare to the Spirit of God. He's attracted to the burning ones, not the flickering ones, not the seasonal ones. But a bridegroom is looking for his bride that is continually on fire who is mature. She's not just a grown bride, but she's a mature bride. She's not just in the deep end of the pool. She's a deep person. She is burning, and she is tended to it. And then here's the next thing that Jesus says. We'll end with this. If you want to stand to your feet, we're going to sing a song called Make Room. And if my core leaders are able and don't have babies on their hip, would you come down to the front? And Zach, would you grab the oil behind you? I want to take a moment to impart oil. I want to take a moment to impart gifting. I want to take a moment to ignite, to set you ablaze, to to make you a readied people. You see, there's, there's redemption for us all. And if we're gonna be a readied people, there's something that can't come with us when the bridegroom comes. It's, it's interesting, the wording that Jesus chose here. He says, they arose with their lamps and then trimmed their wick. You see, your oil is so important. Your oil is so important. What's on the inside of you is so important that the ashes of what God has already burned, of what God has already taken out, of what God has already come and consumed in your life, it can't go with you where Jesus is taking you. Your ashes can't go with you with the bridegroom. And so when we come when we begin to tend our lamps and tend our oil and trim our wicks when we come and we say we will be the five faithful we will be the five wise we will not be the five fools and we got to start keeping our oil safe keeping our oil ash free we've got to start tending to our lamps we have got to be a readied Bride. and so here's what i want to do actually pastor evan can you just get rid of that for me just put it put it off to the side maybe by angie if you if you feel led to lean down that's available that's awesome go for it but what i want to do in this moment is while our worship team sings What I want to do in this moment is I want to invite you. Can we kill the lights? Can we just set an atmosphere in this room right now? And in this moment, I don't want us to wait until the line goes down. I don't want us to single file. I don't want this to be nice and put together. I don't. I want this to be ugly. I want this to be undignified. I want this to just be raw and real because man, there is a readiness available to us. There's a relationship with Jesus that comes with being his bride and knowing he's the bridegroom. There is so much more so much more available to us that we have left that he says I've prepared a feast I've prepared a wedding party I've prepared something for my bride but only those that are found with oil only those that rise and only those that will trim their wicks because the other five they'll come back and they'll find a door closed and they'll knock and Jesus will say I I don't know you You might have claimed my name, but you didn't possess my oil. You might have claimed my name, but I didn't burn upon your life. You might have claimed my name, but you were too busy living with your ashes, having no oil to burn upon. And you were found not ready when I came. We are growing a ready bride. And I want to invite you in this moment to begin to come forward. And let's just anoint the heads of the saints. Let's anoint one another. Let's begin to right now. Just be a ready people, a prepared people. Let's start today. We're going into fall. We're going into this new season. We're going into the rest of this year where there's holidays and there's all these things. And school is starting back up. And whether you're a kid going to school or you're going to college or you have kids, life is going to begin to happen in a different way right now. And what cannot happen is for you to be unprepared. What cannot happen is for you not to possess the oil and the anointing that God has for you. So right now, don't wait for me to be done. Just start coming up. If you want to get prayed over, if you want to get anointed, this is your moment. Start moving. Every person should be doing this. This this is a moment. You should be praying over each other, you should be anointing each other, you should be filling each other's oil right now because right now we don't know the hour, we don't know the time, we don't know when he's coming back, but we know what he's coming back for, we know whom he's coming back for, we know what they look like, we have the description and now we have the prescription, right now. Right now he's saying, there's a ready bride I'm looking for. There's a ready bride I'm ready for. There's a ready bride that I'm coming back for. She is holy. She is built up. She is complete. She is lovely. She is garmed in, in a bridal gown. So right now, right now, Father God, right now, we just impart right now. We just say, let it come. father fill us if you're on the worship team and you want to get down here go for it this could be so undignified I don't care about I don't care about a program at the moment I care about the oil I care about the anointing father which you just begin to fill our lamps. We don't just want a big, beautiful lamp that looks good. We don't just want something that looks like it can hold a lot but be completely empty and shallow. No, God, right now we want a lamp that says it burns for you and you alone. We want to be an altar that burns for you and you alone we want to be a ready bride and a ready people who's ready for their bridegroom at any hour at any time at any moment when you decide to come Lord Jesus we say we will be found ready we will be found with oil we will be found risen and we be found with our wigs trimmed in jesus mighty name we just impart anointing over all of these people right now we spirit god we say destiny come from heaven's lips destiny come from the hands of jesus right now with purpose just be imparted in this room right now some of you are realizing what you've been doing with your life your vocation has not been given heaven it's proper witness in the earth right now some of you are getting new ideas for your life some of you are beginning to be set apart some of you are beginning to live consecrated in this moment right now there is sexual addiction falling off at this altar right now there are words of knowledge that are beginning to happen at this altar right now sexual history and sin is falling off of us right now in the mighty name of jesus some of us some of us at this altar, we are receiving the forgiveness that only comes from Christ in the realest way in this moment, right now right now God Father would you just impart to young men the identity of pride the identity of pride God we don't want to live offended or put off by your language or your description, we want to be a ready bride for you God over the women in this room god over the women in this room god would you just say your heart for them jesus in this moment jesus jesus we just say right now king of kings lord of lords we ask for gifts Do whatever you want to, we ask for depth we ask for growth we ask for maturity we ask for a knowledge and a wisdom and a revelation that only comes from the position of a bride and her bridegroom would you anoint us would you impart to us someone in this room right now who has got a millstone around their neck of unforgiveness there's someone in this room who has a millstone around their neck of unforgiveness of hurt that they've felt of betrayal they've experienced of wounds that are so deep that they can barely talk about it and right now the Lord wants to heal those wounds the lord wants to untie that millstone that the lord wants to take you and anoint your head he wants to put oil in your ears to keep out the thoughts Jesus, to do whatever you want. give this flow right now in Jesus name anointing come in Jesus name